0: Hello and welcome to the ASB Investment Podcast, a podcast that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. Before we get started, we should inform you that the views based in this podcast are those of the participants only. As individual circumstances differ, you should seek appropriate professional advice. I'm Jonathan Beale from ASB and today Chris Tennant-Brown and I are chatting about bad news when you need to look past the bad news, and when you actually need to do something. We'll cover how ASB reacted to the Facebook live stream of the horrendous Christchurch attacks, the ongoing trade war between the United States and China, and how these may affect the share markets around the world. Chris, good to see you in the, in the booth, I think it's called. Yeah, the sound booth. It's yeah, good to be back. It's great. And um, a few things have happened uh, over the last four weeks. I had a big birthday, so I turned uh, 50. Um, which I'm coming to terms with slowly. But the best thing about turning 50 is I've got a uh, a record player for my birthday. So I've reintroduced myself to vinyl, which is just awesome. And I know you're a bit of a vinyl lover as well.
1: Yeah, I got a new needle for my uh, record player and turned 49. So similar sort of a few months, but... uh, We're pretty
0: pretty exciting too, by the sounds of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Middle-aged men with their uh, vinyls.
0: Now, I'm sure I'll... Customers would love to hear a little bit more about Vinyl, but we should probably talk a little bit about what's been happening in the last four weeks. And I think last time we were here, we were talking about capital gains tax, and that's all uh, under the bridge now. Tell us a little bit about what happened there.
1: Yeah, well, that was the issue that we uh, that we were talking about so much and all the implications that may or may not have for uh markets and things we might need to do in the future and then it's largely been pushed aside. I mean we've still got the budget coming up so there'll be initiatives that come out of that. but the capital gains tax was the one that everyone was thinking about from an investment perspective and that's been um, put aside. but elsewhere it's been a uh, interesting period in interest rate markets. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand's cut the official cash rate again. so and we've seen this uh, rally in bonds with yields pressing even lower tying in with that and the, and the New Zealand share market's gone incredibly well setting a fresh record highs in the last month or so too. So funnily enough, it's been a, a good quarter for investment, even though we seem to have a whole heap to worry about over the course of the quarter both here and abroad. It sort of sort of shows that um, there's
0: always something going to happen, isn't there? but sometimes like bad news sells, newspapers, um, but sometimes you just got to look through the news back to the fundamentals and you've been always very strong about talking like that.
1: Yeah and I I remember all through 2017 every month I'd I'd write within my markets monthly report I oh, here's something crazy that Donald Trump did and uh, by the way the share market pressed to another record high and and we had all of this news going on and and markets march, marched on and on uh, yet 2018 and 2019 we have seemed to have responded a little bit more in the short term but look at the last 6 months there were all these worries at the end of 2018 they're largely still all there, um, and yet the markets recovered. The U.S. share market had a had a record high in the last month or so as as well. So it does really play to that theme that I usually harp on about that we can add the most value by focusing on the long term, and in the short term we've usually got to look through the. Through the bad news. Yeah,
0: but sometimes in the short term there's bad news and you've actually got to do something about it and Christchurch and the terrible shootings there is a good example, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and in New Zealand's case, uh, or when we think about investments, um, it, our companies have gone particularly well and, and that's why the share market's hit a record high. But I really liked... Um, what you've been telling to investors when we've been travelling around over the last couple of weeks about our response to, to, to the situation um, from an ethical perspective, I guess, rather than a, um, you know, just a let's not invest in this or let's invest in that or what should we do. Just what's the right thing for us to to use our voice as an investment manager? Yeah, about.
0: you're dead right. And um, I was really pleased that, that uh, investors and customers actually um, – took a lot of heart from what we've been talking about when we've been out on the road. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes... you know, things happen and you have to make a stand and you have to do something. And, you know, as, a, as ASB, we, we look after about $16 billion. Now, that's uh, globally, that's actually a, quite a small amount of money. But actually, in New Zealand, it's a, obviously a very large amount of money. Um, and when the shootings happened in Christchurch, there was obviously a groundswell of like uh, opinion. This is like shock and, and awe of what happened. But um, as a investor of people's money, we have a, the responsibility to say, hey, actually, we we have a voice. And actually, we have quite a uh, large voice to do something. Um, so we we've, there's a number of things we've done over the last um, number of weeks to actually respond to what's been happening um, uh, here in New Zealand and around the world, but also responding to what customers are telling us. Um, and I'm sure if you went up to Facebook and said, you know, have you heard of ASB? They probably haven't. Um, but one of the advantages of investing um, with ASB is we have some very large uh, partners, strategic partners like BlackRock and State Street. Now they're the two largest fund managers in the world, um, and they have a vo- they have a big voice. You know, when you've got, I think BlackRock have about five trillion dollars of funds under management. They'll earn, they'll own um, probably five percent of most large companies uh, in the S and P 500. So they've got a voice, yeah, and they've got a voice that we could use. So one of the things we did do is contact both State Street and BlackRock and said, look. We want you to raise this with Facebook and they'll they'll have regular meetings with those types of companies uh, part of their engagement part of their ownership. Um, and we want you to voice our uh, how appalled we are with what happened, and we want it raised. And uh, they've come back to us and said yes, they will raise it next um, next time they're there, which is a is is nice to nice to hear. I'm sure we'll get feedback about how that how that goes. Um, but we also wanted to take it another stage further. I'm a big fan of writing letters. I th- always think the the power of a letter is someone's actually got to sit down, open the envelope, and read what you've you've sent them. They may not always respond back. Um, but we did write a letter to Facebook from ASB expressing our disappointment in the streaming of the events and that we want them to do something do something about it so that's a a number of things we've we've done um, a stage further is going what um, what sort of uh, Industries or companies should we not be investing in? And obviously, there's been a law change here uh, in New Zealand, and so we're going through the process with our investment committee about how and what type of companies should we be ex- excluding. And and the, the the law here is you you can't own military-style assault weapons. Um, What we're looking to do is actually exclude companies that manufacture and look to sell those to civilians. Um, And you can see examples maybe in the States of a company like Walmart, uh, who have been known historically for selling these types of weapons, and uh, if they continue to do so, and we will exclude those types of companies from our investment portfolios.
1: It sort of reminds me of the the 80s with the the nuclear-free Uh, developments here and and on the one hand you could cynically go hey well what difference will a little country like New Zealand make Uh, but on the other hand you can go well you've got to start somewhere and it's and it's pretty neat to see that people are trying to make trying to make changes. And yeah, uh,
0: and I th- and I think New Zealand ha- actually has a very strong voice. Uh, and I think it was commented in Paris about the the New Zealand New Zealand voice and and the and the Super Fund here in New Zealand has got together with a lot of um, New Zealand fund managers and some global fund managers as well um, to a voice that you need to do something and put pressure on because. Um, if you own the share and you've got a right, you've actually got a voice, and that's where the debate around excluding sometimes gets quite complicated. But uh, these companies, if you don't own their uh, their stock, you've got no right to actually go into their board meeting and, and talk to them. So um, we're we're really pleased that we felt as though it was the the right thing to do. As for ASB, we're a strong values-based organisation, and integrity and caring are two of our core values, and we thought it was the right thing to do, and our customers, um, the feedback I've had has been really strong and really positive. Yeah, it's good to see. But I suppose it's how you turn that sort of, um, that bad situation into a a positive, and hopefully that's going to happen. But I suppose if I think more broadly of uh, bad news that's been going on in the markets, I suppose... um, tariffs is the topical um, um, conversation at the moment, Chris. Um, and I just want to clear something up. I know um, previously we've talked a little bit about you and uh, Donald Trump, and you aren't a fan of Donald Trump. You, you you have very strong views about why he shouldn't be president and some of his policies. Um, but let's for the people listening, maybe explain a little bit about what's going on. Why why has Trump started raising tariffs? And Give us a bit of a background.
1: It's uh, the, the, the tariff thing is interesting, and, and so is the, the, I guess I could politely call, the Trump developments over the last years interesting. But from an economist's uh, uh, perspective, a lot of them are counter to the things that we've been trained to believe are, are good for the world. And starting with uh, the China and the tariffs, I think one of the things which is a good thing to think about when people are talking about trade agreements and tariffs is you're often talking about trade investment and intellectual property and they're all bundled up in in what we're doing there trump simplifies it and basically says china's stealing billions of dollars off us because we have a trade deficit with them and we'll solve that by putting tariffs on and like a lot of the things he says there's an there's an aspect of truth and an aspect of well, oversimplification is a polite way of putting it, and some of the things that he that he says, um, and so he's been driving hard for what he thinks is a better agreement for the states with 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 China. Meanwhile, the rest of us are just getting on with it with our with our trade agreements. But these these things really really do hurt people. Uh, in the first instance, they've put tariffs on a, you know. On a, not all of the goods that they import from China, and the idea being that Americans can choose to buy goods from elsewhere as as well, or American manufacturers can hopefully alter their supply chains. But the reality is that these, these tariffs will put up prices in America. So American consumers will will pay for it. Chinese manufacturers might pay for a little bit too by trying to lower their prices to stay competitive. But now that it's getting ratcheted up, you know, they've got 25 percent uh, tariffs on on goods that's 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 a lot people will start seeing it on the shelves and it will start to impact the growth of both both countries it won't tip them into a recession but it's it's far from far from positive like Trump would would make out. We've thought um, all through this year that it's inevitable that they'll go up a bit more when we've been doing our forecasts and our uh, analysis, sort of thought that Chinese growth could drop from about 6.5% down towards 6% as a consequence of what's going on right now. On the American side of the equation, it's a little bit harder to to calculate, but it'll still mean that America grows a little bit slower than potential consumers pay more than than what they should do. So none of this is particularly positive. And it's another headwind for, for global growth. But when we've been out Uh, talking with investors one of the things that I've been trying to do is put this in perspective this is a bit of a headwind but it's not anything like the headwinds we saw, say, in the global financial crisis, where global growth came to a standstill. We'll just be growing at the bottom end of our recent range and 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 this is part of the reason why we'd expect global growth to be at the at the lower end of the recent range but it's um none none of it makes sense economically it's really frustrating
0: let 's put my Chinese hat on for a second so what, what can China actually do because i I imagine China import less American goods than the other way around. So, you know, America slap on a tariff, China going to go, oh, okay, we're going to do the same, but it's never going to be the same, is it? Can China actually do anything about this or?
1: I guess the game that you want to play is firstly, um, from America's perspective, they want to put tariffs on goods that Americans can buy from other places. So just make China uncompetitive. But- if Trump escalates this the whole way and puts tariffs on all Chinese goods, well, you'll just see wherever a Chinese good is on the shelf, its price will 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 go up. And you're right, from the other side of it, China doesn't uh, can't put as much um, bang for buck because they import less from the states, but they are hurting uh, where it, where it counts for Trump voters. So um, the uh, agricultural exports from the states are getting hurt quite badly. Uh, they they're down drastically, and uh, things like car exports are getting getting hurt as as well. So it is uh, their their retaliation is to come back uh, with with things which will which will hurt Trump and his voter base. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I think it's massively in Trump's interest to get a deal done reasonably quickly, and he strings the market along. Uh, you know, we can see how this is impacting US shares at the moment. Um, but he lobs out a tweet saying, I think a deal's just around the corner, and, and, and then he lobs another one back saying, no, it's not, when he wants to um, leverage China a bit more, I guess. It's um, it's pretty basic stuff. And what about closer to home,
0: so in New Zealand? What sort of effects do these tar- tariffs have on New Zealand economy or the dollar, for example?
1: I think the, the things that we see we're seeing here um, in the first instance we've just got to get on with it and that's and that's what we do um, there's some things we do with uh, with China that they've got a massive interest in continuing to do you know we supply the lion's share of milk powder that, that that China needs and so they'll want to keep trading with us for those reasons Um I think the risk for us is uh, if, if we make a political mistake, if we get bundled up in this. And last year, the 5G telephone network um, developments were an example where you need to play your cards really carefully when you're dealing with Chinese suppliers that you're blocking from contributing to the 5G network, uh, telephone network, uh, because you don't want to get into this tit-for-tat stuff, which seems to be the way these these things pan out when they're going wrong. Between the states and and, and China, um, if you get that perception that you are not cooperative, then there is things like tourism, export, education, seafood exports that are easy for China to substitute for a, to 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 another country. So I think it's one of those times where um, being diplomatic uh, is is incredibly important and being clear as a country, that we're open to do business and open to and to, to trade. And China's our biggest trading partner. Australia's in the same sort of boat here. You know, the, um, around 20% of our exports go up to China. So it's really, really important that we play it right. But so far, that's what we've been seeing. And, and New Zealand's exports and our terms of trade are incredibly strong at the moment, which is good to see. And long may it continue, because that's key to the New Zealand economy going well.
0: And is the continued um, low... Interest rate environment going to support that as well? So, we, you mentioned at the beginning about how we've had an OCR cut. Is that still going to help with the global, well, our, our, our sort of um,
1: economy growing? Yeah, well, th- that has some immediate impacts. Um, f- firstly, our exchange rate has come off a little bit, which is good for the export uh, sector and good for export uh, incomes. And I think those lower interest rates are a little bit of a boost for the share market here as well for two reasons. One is um, low interest rates are generally good for businesses that have got borrowings. Um, but secondly, for investors, it makes the dividend yield from the New Zealand market even more appealing as, as interest rates uh, fall, fall lower. So economically, I think there's um you know the the mix of conditions here is not too bad. But the the global trade uncertainty is definitely something that's hanging over the hanging over the outlook as a negative. But where the rubber hits the road in New Zealand, in terms of our trade figures, we're we're still going pretty well.
0: So New Zealand sounds pretty good, and then I suppose there is this sort of almost like game of tennis going on, isn't it? Who who hits the ball over the net and hitting it back mm. around sort of the global um, trade deals. Um, if who's gonna who's gonna smash the ball and uh, and win the point? Who's gonna win it?
1: I think in the end Trump will need to get re-elected, and he won't get re-elected if he's seen as as destroying American prosperity by by not getting um, the country trading trading better. And his whole idea is that I'm a deal maker and I'll get Americans better I'm deals. But yeah. no deal is not a good deal. Yeah, and and so I think he's only got so much. Um, String to burn, and until people say, "Well, hey, you're not a deal maker. You're you're doing damage here." It does
0: seem to be the way he works, though. He'll start asking for everything, but knows he's gonna. Uh, he'll call it good negotiation, but he'll come back to a, a more, much more realistic area at the end, won't he?
1: Yeah, that's what I would have thought. And this has dragged out a lot longer than I expected. I thought that, you know, when they when they pushed it out for the. F- first quarter of this year. That was a smart deal, but they would they would get a deal done. I think one of the other things just with this in mind too is that um, it all sounds pretty negative and it, and it could easily drag on for another three months, but the US share market is only a couple of percent off. It's all time high as well. And that's a reflection that most companies in America actually are going pretty well. Now We talk an awful lot about trade here in New Zealand because it's a big part of our economy. It's a smaller part of the, the US economy and uh, when we look at the top 500 companies in, this, in the States, uh, most of them have reported now and about three quarters of them have done better than, than what analysts were expecting. So although this trade situation sounds like a really gloomy thing hanging over the world, a number of American companies are just getting on with it and actually doing particularly well as well. So whereas the Canterbury story is one where we're saying, hey, this has been a bit of a catalyst for for us to change the way we might do things, um, the trade situation in the States is is bad news. And I would rather it wasn't there. But the world is marching on in that sense and and portfolios are benefiting from the fact that that, that US shares are going particularly well at the moment because those US companies are actually going all right despite all the the, uh, the uncertainty. And
0: also I hear a lot, our oh, share markets are at a record high and I think sometimes people think, oh, so that means they're going to fall. Uh, but I think actually what we see is that a lot of the, you talked about it, the global growth, the New Zealand growth, the low-interest rate environment. There's lots of things that are actually supporting continued growth in share markets around the world.
1: Yeah, and that's why I keep um, coming back to our global growth forecasts and what's the backdrop that we're going to have over the next five to ten years because ultimately that's what will determine whether share markets go up over that period and we, um, we don't think that we can forecast all the dips and rises. We just know that they will happen. Um, But what we do know is that if we've got a reasonable economic growth backdrop, if we've got supportive interest rates like now, then hopefully we'll see many record highs over the next few years. I mean, record highs shouldn't be a reason not to invest. You um, ideally want one right the moment before you withdraw your investment (laughs) as well, um, but it's it's a sign that companies are going well, not something to be fearful of.
0: Especially people in sort of cutie saver, funds who are regularly contributing, like share markets going up and down, it's actually a really good thing. It's like it's on special for a couple of weeks and then you're buying it and then the price goes up. I think sometimes people forget that. It's a little bit different if you invest in a lump sum, but certainly regular contributing into your portfolio is certainly a really good idea.
1: Yeah, I get more worried when we don't see volatility because that can sometimes be a sign that People are ignoring all information. There's a bit of, or well, what was the old term? We had irrational exuberance going yeah. on when you don't see any downs, it's only w- one way. So the volatility in the first instance is not, not something to be fearful of either. And I, I I look at it this way. I think, well, if I've got 20 years to go until I need this money, if I look back on the last 20 years of all the bad negative things that have happened, um, well, chances are we're going to get some of those in the next 20 years, but markets should continue to to sail through them.
0: It's a bit like the mindset conversation that Moraid had with John Smith last time about actually your perspective. And your time you've been invested is really key to actually how you're going to maybe react to these types of events. You know, so if it's if investing is new to you, I can understand why you'd be a little bit anxious or ask for more clarification. But if you've lived through global financial crises and pre that, you know, then you're probably going to have a different type of view and a different reaction.
1: That's it. And and it's interesting when we look within our investor confidence surveys. Um, really young people often feel reasonably bulletproof because in the last 10 years we haven't had any volatility. Uh, people towards the end of their life feel more vulnerable because they don't want to endure a big downturn. Um, but the people from, say, 30 to 50 should expect at least to have one more in the course of their investment life, and uh, it's 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 part of the it's part of the deal of being a long term investor that you will have volatility in the odd down period. And so you th- you're you're predicting that the trade discussion is going to go on a little bit longer, probably another three months. You're talking about? I think we could easily see another uh, three months the way that we're going. But um, once we get into uh, the the fourth quarter of this year, we're now into the run into the U.S. elections, right? And um, it seems ridiculous, but they do seem to take about a year. And uh, Trump's focus will be back on looking like he's the deal maker, he's the winner, and so the last thing he'll want to be having is a is a bad uh, trade deal still simmering away. Um, you know, well over a year into it by then, if if he hadn't sorted it out. And he's gonna have to come up with a new campaign slogan, isn't he? Like,
0: make America great. He's gonna probably have to. Maybe make America greater, or greater or again, greater again, or <laughs> still yeah. trying to make it great.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 secretly, I uh, well, I guess it's not a secret for putting in a podcast. <laughs> but um, we, if U.S. history is anything to go by, we could easily have another four years of of, of Trump. Um, I'd 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 like U.S. politics to get a little bit more more normal, uh, but you can't guarantee anything. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. But I think that run into the 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 twenty twenty elections will will mean that he needs to tidy up some of these uh, some of these things, which are starting to look pretty messy.
0: It's a pretty scary thought to think. No one thought that the guy who used to be in the apprentice was going to be the president of the United States, and here we are thinking, well, he's probably may well get another four years. it's It's incredible, really, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, and that's why uh, I don't try and predict. US politics. <laughs> predicting interest rates and exchange rates is hard enough thanks very much again for
0: helping us understand a little bit what's going on in the tariff and the trade wars and bringing it to home around uh, New Zealand. So again, thanks very much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to hear, please contact us at podcast at